Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Welcome. I am Pastor Daniel, and this is my amazing wife. Hello. We're so excited today to be talking to you about marriage. That's one of my favorite topics because I love being married. It's so much fun, and I feel like marriage can be a hot topic. And I remember getting some advice when I was younger saying that, oh, you're going to fight all the time, and it's going to be so hard. And that wasn't very encouraging to me. And so because our marriage is so awesome, and it's not as hard anymore because we've put in the work. Yes. <laughs> But we have such a good marriage that I love getting to share that. And if you're single, we're going to talk to you too. So don't, don't fear that you have got stuck on the married night like you're all right. We want to set you up for success as well. Uh, but sometimes as I, as I was looking at this, people often wonder, is a great marriage possible? And sometimes there's this myth that, yes, it's possible for the lucky ones. And so we think that people have a great marriage because they're the lucky ones, not because they did what it takes to have a great marriage. And when it's all about who got lucky, then it's completely out of our control and there's nothing that we can do. But I begin kind of looking going, well, what what does a great marriage take? What does the Bible say that it takes? Proverbs chapter 14, verse four says, where there are no oxen, The trough is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. He goes, if you do nothing, it might be easy, but you're not going to get anything. If you want the reward, it comes with some work. And in marriage, that is just so true that we can have a great marriage, but a great marriage will not hunt you down and attack you. Like, it's... Be nice if it were that easy. Yeah, it really would. But, but having a great marriage is work. It is a series of choices that you have to make. And a lot of times those choices don't come naturally because I, I guess I can't speak for every single human, but for 99.9% of us, selfishness comes naturally. If you've seen little children, you know that's true. Yes. <laughs> Um, but we get to make some choices. And, um, and one of the things that we have to recognize is if we want a great marriage, if our spouse wants a great marriage, we are the only spouse that they get. So we need to make it work. And a lot of this work starts when you're single. Um, Willie George said it this way. He says, most people don't have marriage problems. Most people have single problems and get married. He's like, A bad temper isn't a marriage problem. That was a single problem long before you got married. You just brought it with you. Bad money handling. He just started listing like all of these different issues that people like destroy marriages. And he goes, those aren't marriage problems. Those are single problems that people brought in to their wedding, to their marriage. But as I was, as I was looking, I'm like, if my wife is frustrated, she doesn't have the option to go, uh, he's not willing to change. He's not getting updates, so I'm just going to move on to a new model. Like, that's not, that's, the, the world tries that, and it doesn't, 
it doesn't work. We've got to be yeah, willing. We've seen some of those. I read an article the other day, I think it was New York, where they do trial marriages, where you just sign a contract for 18 months. I'm like, that is not how we do things. <laughs> no. Um, but I want to encourage you, I want to encourage everybody to work to grow. If you want your marriage to be good, it takes effort. It takes willingness to grow. If your spouse says, we need help, I have news for you. You need help. Uh, and it doesn't mean that the house is burning. It doesn't mean that they have a lawyer on speed dial. It means they think the marriage could be better and they're, that you're the one they want to do it with. And sometimes people can get very defensive when their spouse asks for counseling, asks to do a marriage book, asks to go to a marriage retreat. And instead of going, hey, this is an opportunity for us to grow together, they're like, what, what are you saying about me? And instead of it growing, um, it just becomes a fight. I remember hearing from my, my parents and uh, they got married and my dad thought marriage was great. It was not for mom. But he was sure that things were great. And she went a couple years just like sacrificing and, um, and not communicating. And so he's just like, my needs are met. This is great. And after, um, like it has been years, she's like, we got to talk. He's like, all right, this is horrible. He's like, what? She's like, I don't know what you need to do, but whatever it is, you are not doing it. And, and he was clueless, but he was willing to do the work. So he took his clueless self to the bookstore and bought everything that they had on marriage. And he's just going through it. But he gets to the spot and he's reading in, the, in one of the books and the author is saying something that's just stupid. And so he's like, Jeannie, Jeannie, listen to this. This author is crazy. Check out what he says girls think. And he like, he reads it and she goes, that's it. <laughs> and he realized he was in trouble. He realized he was not malicious. He was ignorant. <laughs> but then he could work on it. And, like, and we still do this. We, I was listening to a book. Uh, a couple of us, the guys from church would go, hey, let's listen to this book on marriage. We'll, we'll chat and we're going to make sure that all of our marriages are growing. And I was listening and I, I hear one of the points and I'm like, I don't think my wife fits that stereotype. But just because I don't think that she fits that stereotype does not mean she does not fit that stereotype. So I get home, I'm like, all right, so I'm listening to the book. Talking about our communication. It says that all girls are like this, but I don't, is that true for you? She's like, no, nope, I don't fit that one. Like, but you check, you work at it. And when we do, we grow. And we have to recognize, and I don't think many people would do this on purpose, but if we decline to grow, that's selfish and insecure. If our spouse is saying, hey, we need change. Something's not right. And we're not willing. We're, it's, it's broken. And that's not what we want. I love one of the things he said throughout our marriage, and I think you said it earlier as well, was just this idea that they are the only spouse you get. 
So everything that they want to do or accomplish or the dreams in their heart or how they feel and how they're living their life right now, you're the only one that gets to help them walk through that. And sometimes it is, okay, sometimes, a lot of times, it is easy. If you, okay, anyone else competitive? Do we have any competitive humans in the, in the room? Okay, so you're my people. And uh, as a competitive person, I can't ever really talk for a non-competitive person because I've never been non-competitive. Um, but as a competitive person, there is a desire to be right. And sometimes you can dig your heels in to be right even though the thing that you're right about is stupid. Like it can be like what the temperature was yesterday. Who really cares? But there is this like tendency to be like, I will win. It's a conversation. It's a debate. It's a like, I'm ready to like go after it. And you're like, wait, this is, this is stupid. If, if, if I cause damage over what yesterday's temperature was or whether this story happened two years ago or five years ago, who cares? But, um, we have to recognize that their feelings are their feelings, even if their feelings are misguided. If my wife is offended, if my wife is miserable, do I want that? No. So then it stops being important whether she's right. And it starts being important that she feels neglected, resented, whatever, whatever the problem is. And so rather than sitting here and defending going, yeah, but I have a point and I can win this because, because I can and because I'm competitive. You're like, no, if I win this and she walks away going, you win and I'm still hurt, I lose. And if I, if I get to the spot where it's me versus you, that is a lose-lose situation. Because if she wins, I lost. If I win, and her, her, I lose. One of the things I've loved is if I've had a problem or if I've had an insecurity I'm dealing with or something that just makes me feel yuck, and I, we talk about it, he always says, okay, it's not a question of, well, you shouldn't feel that way or you really need to get healing in that area. It's what can we do to fix that? How, what can I do to make you feel more secure? What can I do to make sure that you feel better in the situation? You know, and that's so important to be able to cover each other and to love each other through things, not just to say, well, you shouldn't feel that way, that's dumb, because I don't understand, but to say, well, how can I come alongside you and walk you through this and love you through this? Yeah. Single people. The, okay, so this is married and single. They're, the most important part of your marriage is the foundation. The best time to build a foundation is before you build the house. Um, and we, we got to teach at Married Life this week, Wednesday, and we went through, so Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you seek God first, he will direct your steps. And if God is the foundation for your marriage, it can be solid. And um, next week, we're going to have a Q&A panel. And we're going to answer questions that you guys submit. We've got a box in the back. You guys can submit questions at the end of service. We put the box out last week. And some of the questions already started coming in on going, how do I have a great marriage? How do I pick a great spouse? Um, they came in from the dating side. They came in from the, what's the most important thing? Hands down, the most important thing is that your spouse is determined 
to honor God above their own will. And if that's supposed to be the most important thing for your spouse, that should be the most important thing for you. And if you're single and you're like, you know, hey, do I, what's the, what, you know, what am I looking for? You are looking for someone who goes, hey, if God says it, I'll do it. Because I promise you, in marriage, at some point, there will be a conflict. And if it's about how they feel, because the world tries to navigate things based on how do I feel right now. Well, in a conflict, you feel a lot of emotions that aren't smart. And if that's what guides them, it's going to get rough. But if they're going, you know what? What I feel like right now is yelling at you, calling you names, but what the Bible says is that I'm supposed to love you, forgive you, and speak life over you. Even if they make a mistake, we go back to it and we go, yeah, but this is our map forward. And as long as this is our map forward, then no matter what bumps we hit, we can come back to this and we can move forward solid. And we, if you were there at Married Life, we spent most, in fact, we went through seven different areas and listed a whole bunch of verses. Here, here's what the Bible says on different spots in your marriage. And we're not going to redo that message, but I want you to understand that is the most important thing in your marriage. And if it's not a thing yet in you, start there. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for, for this Sometimes you read a verse and you're like, okay, it's obviously talking about marriage. But sometimes you read a verse and a non-marriage verse all of a sudden lights up in marriage. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, a lot of you guys have heard it and you've heard it around money and it's a true. But check this out in our marriage. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where your moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts aren't fixed. It's easy, like the world talks all the time about falling out of love or they get divorced because they fell out of love. We forget that our heart can be steered. Our heart can be directed. And so I was looking at this going, okay, how, how, do we, how do we steer our heart? How do I guide it? How do I make me feel something? Because sometimes, sometimes feelings come up that I didn't mean to. And so you can feel like that's just how it always happens. Um, but my heart shifts to where I spend my time, my focus, and my resources. I am competitive and I am an all-in person. Um, with whatever it is that I'm going to do, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. But I don't have a halfway button. It was not installed. So, um, but I can look back at things. And so I can look back and it's not like, hey, there are things that I dabbled in. It's like, no, there were things that I was obsessed with. Like, whether it was like, hey, I spent years wakeboarding and slalom skiing and barefooting. I got into swing dancing for years, rock climbing, mountain biking, volleyball, hunting, uh, road cycling, cycling, virtual cycling, still into cycling. Um, and she, she laughs because like, I should have put up a picture. In our basement right now, there are four bikes on trainers, all with a 
screen in front of them so that we can ride with people from around the world, ride together. Um, my 11-year-old's put 1,000 miles on his bike since September. Like, we've, we go for it. And we're going to do it. And whatever it is that we're going to do, we're going to do it. But as I began looking at this, I realized I have spent, I can't tell you how many hours that I spent wakeboarding, but I shifted my eyes off that over 15 years ago. And I stopped buying wakeboards, buying life jackets, buying the different ropes. I stopped putting in the time. And you know how often I think about it now? Like a couple times a year when someone brings it up or you get like that 95 degree day and someone mentions something about the lake and you're like, oh, I used to wakeboard and do flips and land on my face and all sorts of fun stuff. Like there, there's these memories. When I... Uh, when I was swing dancing all the time, you would hear like certain types of music and you're like, ooh, ooh. And you're like, you want to grab a hand, spin around, flip them over. Like this is just like part of the game. And, but when I was investing there, my heart shifted there. When I stopped, my heart shifted away. And we have to realize that with our spouse, when we're dating, we're spending a lot of time focused on them. We spend a lot of energy focused on them. But so often we get married and then we're like, yay, we won, we got married. And now, hey, work's got this going on, friends got this going on, this is going on. And our attention shifts. And sometimes we get into this like, instead of being a partnership, we become a tag team. So it's like, hey, you do that half, I'll do this half. Like you take care of the kids, I'll go take care of this. And, and all of a sudden, there's no focus together. And then we're wondering what happened to feelings. And as I say this, I'm like, there's a temptation to think that that means we're just going with the flow and that we're um, looking for the easy road. It's not true. Um, I don't think I've ever been accused of being lazy. But I was looking, and so the platform that I've been racing on and riding on through the winter on, on my bike is called Zwift. And I was looking at these memes and these videos, and they were talking about a Zwift race and the stages. And it's like, oh, well, first, it starts, like, you're waiting in line, everyone's excited. It starts, and everyone takes off like someone lit their butt on fire. And you're thinking, what on earth did I get myself into? And you're sprinting, trying not to puke or fall off the back of the group. And then it slows down momentarily after a mile or two until you hit a hill. And then everyone like doubles their effort. And you're going up this thinking you're going to die. Then you chase it down and you're trying to stay with the group. And then you get to the end where you sprint until you think your legs are going to fall off. And then you end and you go, what did I just do? When can I send it for the next one? And like, <laughs> there's this, this like really strange, this hurts so much. This is so ridiculously hard. But I can win. But even if I can't win the race, I can accomplish something and I can beat me. I can get better. I can get stronger. I can win. In our marriage, we want, our hearts shift to the places where we win. We like to do things that we're good at. And when when I started looking at this going, can my spouse win with me? Is being with me a spot where they feel like they're winning in life? 
or is being with me the spot where they feel like they're losing? Am I against them or am I honoring them? Am I valuing them? Am I treasuring them? This week, I told Amanda, I, I won. She said, How, what, did, what did I do that made you win? Uh, like, she's homeschooling, four kids, and not just four kids, my four kids. Um, Born caffeinated. <laughs> yeah, people always ask me, like, do you drink coffee? I'm like, no, my blood's caffeinated. Like, <laughs> just came that way. Um, but that's genetic, and it passed it on. So, so she's dealing with, with my children. So frequently, she's very eager for me to come home for lunch. Um, sometimes it's because she's like, hey, they, need a, they, need a, uh, they have an appointment with the principal, so please get here quickly. Um, sometimes it's like, hey, I need you to fix lunch while I'm trying to get this one to focus. Well, like, take care of somebody so I can get this done. And, th- and that's part of doing life together. But the other day... Uh, she had to run someone somewhere. She wanted to check to see if I was going to be, be coming home. She didn't need help. Nobody was in trouble. But she just didn't want to miss me because she was going to have to run and grab something. So she's checking, going, hey, are you coming home for lunch? What time? I want to make sure that I don't miss you. Not, hey, when you're coming, can you make sure that these three eat lunch while I'm running someone to the orthodontist? And I said, you just want me to be there because you just like me. I'm winning. (laughs) Winning doesn't mean they just spent $1,000 on jewelry. Winning doesn't mean they went and spent a bunch of money on roses that are going to die in a week. Winning means they just made you feel special. That can be done with, hey, I just want to see you. Are you going to be home? What time are you going to get home? That can be a, hey, I'm excited, and so I made a meal, or I cleaned something for you. That can be done with an act of service. It can be done with words of affirmation. There's a lot of ways that you can communicate it, but there is a, there is a desire, and I believe it's in every single person to win. And there are people in here who are like, I am not the competitive person. You are too. You just don't know it. <laughs> you just define winning differently. And sometimes we don't realize that we're going, one person defines winning by being the first one across the finish line. The other person defines winning as being in the competition with everybody else. Someone defines winning is by everybody else smiling. It's not that you don't want to win, it's that we just have different wins. And we got to recognize, well, what is it? I, I want you to win. I want you to gravitate towards our home. So what does that look like? And sometimes, sometimes it can be said, like, like, oh, you're just childish because you just so need the affirmation and you so need to win. And I look and I said, no. As kids, when we didn't get it, we threw fits. As adults, we just find a new hobby. We're like, hey, this is fun. Am I, am, I, am, I, am I enjoying this? Am I winning here? And if this spot stresses you out, if this spot makes you feel aggravated, if this spot makes you feel like a loser, you know what we do? We find a new spot. Like, there are people like, uh, I, I was listening, like, you find golfers, I don't golf, but they'll like, all of a sudden it's like, all right, why are these clubs up so cheap? And they're like, I'm done. 
I hate this. You go through and you find different things where somewhere along the line, something that once brought them pleasure has stopped. And so they're like, I'm done. I'll move it on to a new thing. I'll find a new hobby. Your spouse, you don't want them looking for a new spot to find fulfillment. And just because they didn't serve you papers doesn't mean they're not looking for a new spot to find fulfillment. I've talked to people who are like, I don't win at home. In fact, it's eggshells at home. I'm just waiting for their whining and their complaining. So I turn to the TV as a alternative to try to hide. I turn to these other things to numb it because there I lose. And when we can go, hey, I want to encourage them. I want them to feel like they're winning. It changes things. Um, trying to make it through as many notes as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, but there's, there's things that we gravitate towards, and we do. We gravitate towards where we win. We gravitate towards where we, we feel like we're loved, where we feel like we're valued. But there's areas that, that drive our heart away. And we want to look at some of those. And it's not, um, sometimes it's because, hey, they, they're speaking in a way that criticizes me and makes me feel worthless. But we have to also look at our heart and our focus. Because if I take my focus off here and just shift it somewhere else, my heart will go there. I have a friend. I won't say his name. Uh, my friend has multiple hobbies, but they are very seasonal. He, we have enough in common that we get along and it's a lot of fun, but he's all in, but he is seasonally in. So there is a season that he's into biking and we will bike together and he will pour money and time and effort into biking. And then all of a sudden there's like a switch and it's like, nope, it's now hunting season. Ding. Like, and so all shift, focus, money, effort, extra time, all goes into hunting or hunting preparation or like this. And then you watch that season come to a close. And it's like, switch, switch, switch. Like as they go through life, it's like, all right, it's, this is my seasonal and, and, and his rotate between on season and off season. With biking and hunting, that's fine. But you don't want to have seasons in marriage that are like on, off, on, off in marriage. And so we have to recognize that if I talk to him about biking and during the biking season, he is like all in. During the other season, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, biking exists. Like it is. But we, we got to make sure not to do that with our spouse and not to let go, oh, what happened to my spouse? Oh, I don't know. It got taken over by football. It got taken over by, by work, by this business adventure. And making sure that we're shifting our heart here and not letting these other things take your place, not letting it become a contest against us, but us together. Has anyone ever done a three-legged race? Ever seen a three-legged race? The sack race? Okay. <clears throat> in marriage, you are in a three-legged race, and you are tied together. If you attack your spouse, it's like doing the three-legged race and pushing them down. You lose. If you get mad at them because you're like, well, you're not walking in step with me and you shove them down, you are not going to make it across the finish line in a timely manner. 
You're now dragging them. And, and sometimes we have to recognize that in marriage, we're a team and we're tied together. And if I hurt you, I lose. And the more that I focus and I encourage and I strengthen you, the more that we win together. Um, we have, I think we should end with garlic. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are, are, are fadeless under all circumstances and un, endures without weakening. Um, so do you want to talk about garlic? Add some. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so towards the beginning of our marriage, I was asking Daniel to help me in the kitchen cooking. And I don't remember what I was making, probably a soup or something. I said, oh, put in some garlic for me. He's like, what? What? How much? What is, what is some? And I was like, I don't know, like some. How much? I don't know, some. How much? <laughs> we were, he was like, I was like, what do you mean you don't? Understand. She, was, like, she was getting mad at me. I don't like, you did not tell me how much to put in. I'm thinking he just doesn't want to help. Like, he just doesn't want to be here. I'm like, what is your problem? How do you not know how much garlic to put in? And I just did not cross my mind that he didn't know how to cook. In my mind, I have cooked with garlic so much that that is common knowledge to everyone in the whole wide world. You know, like, I just didn't think about the fact that he hasn't had the same experiences that I've had. He hasn't grown up the same way I grew up. He has not grown up cooking with garlic. He doesn't have a concept of what I'm talking about. He even said he's like, like Tabasco add some or like ketchup add some. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, but like, think about it. Like when you add some, you add Tabasco, it's like drip, drip. I added some ketchup. And in my house, when you add some ketchup, it's like, like. so when she says some, I'm like, I, I don't know what you mean when you say some. You gotta give me a med- no. She just some. I, I can't do some, and she's yeah, like, "You like, can too." I'm like, "No, I can't." You gotta be specific. How much is some? And 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 this was like, she's like, "What? What do you?" I, and she's just like getting mad at me because she's thinking I'm just being Henri and trying to be a goober. I'm like, "No." Yeah. Like, Finally, I was like, "Okay, put in a teaspoon." And I looked at it like, and a half a teaspoon more. So now when we're <laughs> making stuff. She doesn't fall, like, if I was cooking, I can cook. But, like, I get out a recipe, and I do what it says. He follows it to a T. And it comes out that way. <laughs> She's cooking, and she looks at a recipe, and is like, that's a starter idea. <laughs> and so when she tells me stuff, if, she, if I'm helping, she's like, oh, put a teaspoon in. I put it in, she's like, oh, actually, I meant two more teaspoons. She's making up stuff as we go. <laughs> and just give me a measurement. I've to give exact measurements when I'm making stuff So up. that I can work with it. But... Um, but here's one of the things that happens a lot is we assume that everyone knows what we know. And if they don't know what we know, they're stupid. And we assume this base knowledge, but that's dumb. Because when we get in the kitchen, there is a ton of, of knowledge that she possesses that I do not. And she can throw around whether it's like, she'll talk about the way that she's cooking bread. I don't know what she's talking about. I love you and I'll eat it. Um, <laughs> but if I talk about maintenance on the car. Or biking. I'm like, what did you just, 
Spicy what? <laughs> With all these different terms, it's their own lingo. But here's the, the thing. She's not dumb because she doesn't know biking terms. She is not dumb because she doesn't do the car maintenance. Nor am I dumb because I don't know how much garlic or how much relish to stick in something. But sometimes when, when we know it and they don't, rather than using that as a time to grow together, we use it as an opportunity to tear them down. And, and that becomes so destructive. But when we go through and go, no, I'm going to assume the best. And so if you don't know this area, I'm going to assume that you just need to learn. If you said something, I'm going to assume the best, and I'm going to assume good motives, and not assume that you're being a goober, but that you just need some, some help. And when we can assume the best in our communication, when we can go, hey, they're different than us, and that's okay. In fact, it's good that I didn't marry me. Um, we are a great team, and some of the fact, the areas that we are different helps us so much as we are able to cover each other. If, if I had married someone just like me, our eating would have been way more limited. It'd have been like, hey, this is our rotation. Like, this is what I know what to do with. Like, that's it. Um, but she spices things up. And then I'm like, that was a great one. Let's do that again. She's like, I have no idea what I did. <laughs> She's like, I looked at some recipes for ideas. I'm like, ah, well, you should have wrote that one down. It was really good. Um, but we want to make sure that our spouse is winning. We want to value them. We want to encourage them. We want God to be the foundation. And we want to put our focus there so that our heart goes towards them and not away from them. And that by far the most important thing is that foundation of going, is Jesus number one? Are we building our life and our marriage on God's word? Because if we are, we can weather anything. And every mistake that we make, we can take it back to there, we can reline up, and we can win. But if it's all about our feelings, it's just a matter of time before we crash. And this is true in marriage, but this is true in life. And if you look and you go, hey, my life has not been built on God. My life has not been centered on God, and I want to be. I want to receive God's forgiveness. I want to live for him. I want him to be the boss, not just the creator in the world, but I want him to be the boss in my life. I want to give you an opportunity to start that right now, to make him the Lord of your life. We're going to say a simple prayer. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm going to pray, invite you guys to, re to repeat after me, and then I'll give you a chance to identify yourself if you say, hey, today I'm making that decision. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Say, God, thank you for loving me, even when I make mistakes. I repent of my sin. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood paid the price for me. I choose to follow you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.